So, Peter, uh, you've been doing DevRel for a while. You've you've done the conference circuit. What is the best conference party you've ever been to? Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Because I would yeah. say it's got to be early OpenStack days. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's probably San. Let me see. What was the one in where they had the Zoot Suit band? Like the... the yeah, the, I remember that. Yeah, the oh, where was party. And, they, and the night before, they had had the... Um, Nebula had thrown a party where it was like uh, S&M, some S&M circus. Just insane. Uh, I think that was... <laughs> San good old days. I think that was like the... Yeah, because my first... Well, my, not my, that was my second OpenStack Summit uh, at that time was the, I think it was the San Francisco Summit. And, mm-hmm. um, and then the second one was in San Diego. And both of those had great, uh, had great parties. All those, all those startups spending all their monies on parties. Yeah, yeah and I can't remember. <laughs> I think it was San Diego was the one that had the one with the, uh, the like Zoot Suit Band and all that stuff, which yeah. was really good, which they gave out the best the best t-shirts, which I still have it, which was, uh, you know, what the F cloud cloud K is OpenStack. And uh, I used to wear that all the time when I was in Redmond back in my Microsoft days working on OpenStack, <laughs> walking through the hallways. It was great. Did, did you go to the uh, the OpenStack Paris Summit? Oh, yeah. I spent nine days in Paris for that one, man. That was a, that was yeah. a great one. Did, did you go to the... Uh... HP's um, the the Circus Museum one. Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, that was that was a wild party. I think you I know what I, I have to be honest. I, I can't remember. Uh, there was so <laughs> much, you know, like my. They, they, they were a lot of parties. Well, there, there were in a lot of the times like that we like my time in OpenStack for that. It was very strategic, right? Like where we went because we. Oh, so you had to be and, like you know. You show face at the right parties. Well, because we, you know, we were looking for to, you know, I, I was, uh, and you know, Alexander Plotty, my friend from CloudBase. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he and, I, he and I worked together. So we were trying to get in front of the right people to just stay alive in the ecosystem, you know, because we were so tiny and everybody yeah. thought because, you know, because we were coming out of Microsoft, we were so big. But it was essentially mm-hmm. for a long time, it was me and him. And by that time in Paris, we actually had good you know, good, good people. Uh, we had bodies inside of Microsoft that were, that were working on it kind of with us, but yeah. And some, you know, strong, stronger support, but, uh, but yeah, like from, from early on. So we were always, it was always very strategic trying to, you know, figure out what to do next, how to stay alive another, another six months till the next. Open. So the, the strategic party attendance. How about, yeah. To go, well, to go meet people like, you know. No, you, I, you know. I, I, I absolutely know. You're like, oh, you know, there's a party. And like, well, there's also this other party. And who's going yeah, to go, be, who's more I need to meet with this partner there. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's, so that's I had, one of like, those. I had like, dinner with Shuttleworth at, uh, at, during the Paris summit, so. Oh, did you go to the uh, lunch? They threw a party at the Orsay, right? The museum. I, I don't. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, they threw. They like. I didn't go to it because it was scheduled against somebody else. I, it might have been against the HPE Circus party, and like uh, Canonical threw a party at the Musée d'Orsay, and so you know this fancy art museum in Paris, and then meanwhile down the street, you know they had like. I think I heard HPE spent one hundred fifty thousand on that party. Oh, some of those. I got, I'm not surprised. But some of those were freaking insane back then. Yeah, like if you or, or, like, it, like it. So from it, like it was like Wild West, right? Like so, you know, because so I, I the thing I was I was mentioning to you before when we were talking before we started was 
two months from now, it'll be, I think, 12 years from when we first met. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking, about, I was like, holy crap, that's a long time ago, you know, in terms of uh, <laughs> tech cycles. And when you think of the cycles of OpenStack that we saw, right? Like, because it was yeah. all the... It was fast. It, it yeah. Was fast. It, a year felt like two years, you know what I mean? Because of the conferences, right? And the sprints in between. And it was, yeah, it was like, crazy. Survive, 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 survive. Can you, you know, retain enough information long enough to know what's going on to make another, you know, another round? And like in terms of what, like, you know, where I was working on, you know, Hyper V, nobody thought we were serious until mm -hmm. we made them look foolish. And then, <laughs> they knew, then they knew we were, you know, they're like, oh, like I, I remember. Yeah. At one conference yeah. coming up, they saw we had a open compute rack running like all Windows with OpenStack, and they're like, "Is this for real?" They're like, "Exactly, this isn't it?" Exactly. Well, well, like, yeah. So, so let me let me go ahead and introduce you. Uh, so, um, I, I, I'm, you know, Peter. You want to go ahead and, and introduce yourself? <laughs> um, I'm Peter Pouliot. I work in uh, developer advocacy at Ampere Computing. Uh, yeah, yeah. My my, I have a. Been working in open source, in and out open source for uh, oh man, I think it's like 23, 20, almost twenty. Well, uh, uh, yeah, and and when when we first met, I think you were you were working for Novell. Is oh, that yes, I was actually. I was working for yeah Novell slash Susa back then. Yep, right, right. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, well, that's where I got my OpenStack start. Uh, was yeah stumbling upon. Uh, so I, I worked in a lab. That was, uh, I was part of the first, the, one of the first teams that worked on open source at, with inside of uh, Microsoft as an outside uh, partner. And uh, mm -hmm. we worked on essentially back then uh, on, uh, you know, cause this is the birth of, you know, what I would call open source virtualization, right? So we were working yeah. and, and even like, you know, VMware was the it's only team like in town at that point in time. And this was pre ESX, like we're talking, you know, GSX. It's like 20, 2006. Uh, oh, okay. Wow. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so when I, when I started on the, in that lab, uh, we were doing Hyper-V wasn't a product, wasn't part of Windows yet, but we were doing the, mm -hmm. the stuff for Hyper-V and uh, Zen, uh, we were using Zen because KVM didn't exist yet. Uh, and uh, we would also do stuff on, uh, you know, just, just to, to verify you know uh verify stuff but we essentially worked on the power virtualized you know driver stack for uh for essentially enabling hyper-v on uh, uh linux on hyper-v and then uh windows at that time on on zen uh for mm -hmm. uh, for what and eventually shipped with slash susa linux enterprise so um because I, I technically at that period of time you know i was uh you know working more with the the slash stuff uh, during my, you know, that was the second half of my run with, uh, with, with Novell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so did you come, I mean, uh, you, you'd been at Novell and Zimian before that, were you like a, a windows person who came to Linux or were uh, so, you always like a Unix guy? No, so this is, so I, I was a philosophy, <laughs> I was a philosophy undergrad who, All right. who needed to, who got out of, got out of college and, uh, you know, get a job, just happened to get a job at a software company. Uh, they ended up sending me to like trade school to, you know, the, the, the guy who owned the company liked me. And he, he, I went to basically, it was a Boston university's uh, corporate education center. And I did a MCSE program and that was my foray okay. to like tech. Right. Uh, and I always, I had a, I had a Mac through college, uh, but, uh, and had a AT&T, uh, computer prior to that, but, uh, oh. 
Yeah, I don't remember the model number. <laughs> I wasn't really into computing until I, I, you know, really until I started playing with the Mac. And then uh, once I uh, decided, you know, once I got into it, uh, you know, which was essentially around the birth of like Windows NT, uh, you know, they, they sent me to do an MCSE program. So I did in my first run, it was like nine certifications, but it was the classes for a lot of those were like mm -hmm. official curriculum classes that were taught by someone from Boston University and Boston University would fill in the spaces with a lot of the stuff. So my technical education was like a trade school uh, doing okay. that. And I took all the, you know, certifications uh, for all, like I would take the class, go take the certification, you know? So I, I essentially mm -hmm. uh, got out of that with like an MCSE plus I, and then, uh, which is like a certified systems engineer. And, uh, you know, at that time I was doing uh, tech support for a software company and uh, they, they basically made, uh, you know, uh, uh, application that was uh, pretty dominant in the mutual fund industry, right? For doing com mutual fund compliance. So uh -huh. all, it, all it was, uh, you know, and, and uh, netware based with, uh, yeah, it was like advantage database <laughs> server with, uh, you know, and uh, I remember I snuck and in, installed Windows NT because I was taking the class. I'm like, well, screw it. I'm going to run NT at work. So I installed NT on my work, on my work desktop without telling anything. Yeah. And then, you know, to get the application stuff, you have to run, you used to have to tune like the 32-bit subsystem and the 64-bit subsystem. Oh, so I, so I would sit there yeah. and play with this stuff all day. And yeah. essentially, uh, you know, I got to I got to learn a lot through that while I was taking the classes. And then essentially, you know, after that, I went to work for a uh, at another uh, like a consulting company that did a lot of small, medium sized businesses in the metro Boston area. And, you know, they had any any technology. So you had to be like a jack of all trades. So then, you know, you went through that, but all through that thread. Right. Like when I was coming out of the classes for the uh, NT stuff, someone introduced me to Linux and I said, well, I want to learn how to build like firewalls. I want to do all that. I think I need to do that on, you know, Linux. How do I, how do I learn that stuff? So someone introduced me to Linux. I started playing with uh, Linux, got like shunned for asking questions and was like <laughs> moved to, moved to OpenBSD. And I spent essentially from like 96, yeah, 97 till uh, man, like till I went to Zimian in 2003, like, I think I, I think I was running, um, well, cause I ran both GNOME on it and I ran, uh, on, on BSD, on, on open BSD and I ran, oh man, and I ran <laughs> you do like doing things the hard way. Oh dude, you have no idea. Like, I <laughs> like with that, like if you go back to like, you know, basic enterprise stuff, like I, I think I integrated like open BSD, open BSD machines into like our Veritas, uh, backup stop oh my god i run it yeah. the linux you know the linux agent emulated in bsd emulation you know like, <laughs> the level but you know yeah good why not right like yeah exactly uh, yeah I, yeah i think i think around that time i was running um uh debian on a mips machine at home <laughs> just because like why not? Right. Yeah. I had but, like 13, uh, I had 13 machines running on two Baker's racks and they were all like, you know, whatever people were throwing away, I would collect. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. And essentially, yeah. In a two bedroom apartment in Somerville. <laughs> Somerville. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. I, I had, I had, <laughs> I had a bunch of, a bunch of old machines at, at one point our office was throwing out, um, 
486 and Pentium class laptops. Oh, nice. And, and I was like, can I have these? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I remember I, you I, I a laptop, a laptop fetish because of all you. I still do. I still do. So I, at the time I built, I built, uh, you know, I, I obviously I built a Beowulf cluster and I, I, you know, I learned some MPI and, uh, and I was holding them together with Legos and, uh, you know, that, but the, you know, and I had a, uh, one of those, uh, dual, um, dual K6 systems. You remember those, the, the 450 megahertz AMD had a system. You could do two, uh, K6 processors. Oh no. And it, so I had a dual. Celeron. Oh, maybe, no, I, actually, maybe it was the dual Celeron. Oh, was, so I had it, that. It, it, I had, I had the one. Yeah, no, no, that's what it was. I had that that dual Celeron. Oh, that's funny. I didn't and know that. it, yeah, it just it destroyed that cluster because uh, AO like two four fifty CPUs beats like a stack of twelve hundred megahertz <laughs> megahertz Pentiums. I, I wish I, I I think I if yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna that's gonna bother me now because we probably had the same board. Yeah, oh, there was only like one, and, and oh, everybody. There, were there were actually there were actually two iterations on it, Matt. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I fried I fried it, and it was my exchange server at home back when I was running. You know, when you would run all your mail and web and everything out of your. Oh, see, no, I, I was I was running I was dual booting Linux and Windows two thousand, so I could play Quake. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, we used to so we used to play Quake on IPX networks back in the '90s when I was doing tech support, and I yeah the monochrome, you know, like on the crappy. You'd get you get you'd want to puke after a while from you know the yeah yeah so bad you know. Well, that's funny. Yeah, no, I, that that's probably like I've never been much of a big gamer. I always like once I got into the technology side, I, it was like Legos for me. So I would spend and because I spent a lot of my early career working on like systems administration running you know win- mo- primarily windows business networks right trying to in- or, or i was the guy who knew the you know the stuff that nobody else did like max or unix or you know and started getting into the same thing firewalls like i uh you know had i, I bought a pix uh back in the <laughs> you know back in the the 501 back in the early days just so i could learn how to do, you know, be the guy who knew how to do it when you know, mm-hmm. nobody else would. So I've always tried yeah. to, uh, you know, have that crazy stuff and have uh, not crazy, but, you know, you know, use, use those things to learn, uh, you know, the tricks of the trade, I guess, to try to, um, plug it in. And I, I gotta be honest when I, by the time I got to OpenStack, it's, you know, thank God, cause that's how I survived, you know, that. <laughs> well, you, you found, you found a market for like these grab bag of skills, right? I mean, uh, I, I had some luck, you know, I, I got, I got good placement, like working with, uh, you know, getting a lot of exposure early on was good. Uh, I worked with some re- a lot of really smart folks through the years, which I, I was able to learn from, which was re- really great. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then once I, once I went to work for Zimian, like that was a, for me, that was like a transformative cause I walked into there as their windows guy. <laughs> right yeah. so, you know and you, you know, miguel de casa nat friedman you know there's a lot of uh you know people that i worked with that had a, a, a long you know history and like larry you oh, yeah. the guy who who drew tux uh you know and i, I got to the opportunity to work with all these guys and, and literally you know all of them when i first came in talked to me from the perspective of oh he has no idea what he's what he's doing uh, with the exception of, uh, you know, because they thought I was just a, a normal Windows guy. But uh, the, the whole reason <laughs> I got 
the whole reason I got I got hired was because I I got to work with uh, Dan Winship on uh, he's a, he's at Red Hat now on uh, working on some some part of the Kubernetes stack and uh, we, we basically uh, I, I built the exchange servers and he was reverse engineering the you know the interfaces to basically build the first uh, you know email client for Linux and Unix. Uh, that supported you know microsoft exchange so mm-hmm. um you know i i worked uh on a like i first started on like a contract and uh immediately after they hired me so i i started technically i, I did the contract in 2002 and started with them like was that was uh, it co- uh, was it like the the zimian connector that was like a commercial yeah. product yeah no no they were, they were commercial yeah products, right? i bought one of those yeah yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, they, well, so they them. had the Zim, if you remember, they did Zimian desktop. So the, the crazy part is, so when I came in, they, you know, cause I'm, I wasn't a developer, right? Like then yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a traditional developer now, but, uh, the, you know, I, I was a, an op operator systems administrator, you know, we would automate some stuff or, you know, automation wasn't really in yet. Right. <laughs> until, well, until, until shortly after, uh, when I got to Zimian, and at that time, when I first started in, in 2003, they would repackage GNOME for, I think it was like 26, uh, 27 different Linux distributions, right? Oh, wow. So yeah. if you think of the, all the, you know, GNOME and its dependencies, because, you know, most people, I think Zimian was the people who uh, basically added dependency resolution into RPM, right? Mm-hmm. So, and they did, you know, I don't know if you remember Red Carpet, which was... The predecessor to like yum and uh i'm sure I, I i didn't use debian systems that often back then like i can't remember okay if yeah because it yeah. was for debian back then uh oh, it was great. still apt but uh yeah it, it, it was apt and, and it was like that was the thing that everyone was like this is so much better than you know yeah. <laughs> than rpm oh. and because yeah I, I tried to go work for uh, uh there was a company that the debian founders you know uh ian um murdoch uh he started a company around it and they wanted me to move to indianapolis and i was like uh no <laughs> but uh good yep. times um, it, it's uh you know thinking back i was like you know i got to support you know miguel de casa's mono labs because i was there for the birth of mono yeah and all that stuff like uh you know i got to you know see the evolution of the of the desktop i got to see the like literally had a front row seat for the the death of the gnome kde war you know it was peak you know what i mean like literally <laughs> when the acquisition well, it, it never ended yeah yeah but yeah but quite literally when for us because you have to realize when i started you know uh zimian was running the gnome the gnome project was housed in our offices uh mm-hmm. you know um we ran the build system you know a lot of the infrastructure and stuff for that i think at that time and then yeah um, when uh novell bought us you know, then that stuff, you know, Red Hat got more involved. That's when Red Hat started getting more involved and took over a lot. It's funny too, mm-hmm. now that I work with Dave Neary, I get to hear the other side of the fence because he was working on, you know, the GNOME stuff at the same time, but from, right. uh, you know, a community and eventually I think a, a Red Hat perspective. Uh, but li- literally like when, uh, so Novell bought Zimian and then a few months, about six months, I think it was later, seven months later, uh, they bought SUSE. And at that time you had, you know, Zimian was, uh, as I said, rebuilding GNOME for every Linux distribution, HP, UX, yeah. Laris, right? Uh, and then, uh, you know, SUSE comes in and uh, they were primarily a job. Right? And, 
you know, I literally, I saw an engineering team of, well, you know, cause we were like 60 of us, I think when we got acquired and I was there until there were three and I was <laughs> one of three that were the last, you know, Zimian original Zimian folks that uh, left. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it was, um, you know, there were some, some fun, fun, fun times there and got to do some really, really fun things back in the early days in terms of uh, automating. That's when I started playing with Pixie because originally so i came in as a windows guy and the first task they give the 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 person who they you know it was to like burn all the uh distro cd images back then right Mm -hmm. oh Oh, yeah once you do that once you're like i'm never doing this again and uh literally literally that's when i started like googling like okay automating network installation and (laughs) And, and i bet you wrote your own right no, 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 no. I, I built, well, I built my own oh, really? infrastructure and then yeah, that's, when, that's what I meant. So I, so I built the, uh, you know, the Pixie infrastructure to support all that and then started getting into the, you know, the pre-seeds, kickstarts, unattended oh, yeah. all the, you know, the, how, how to basically do an automated deployment of every operating system. Um, and then I did that, uh, I took that system and essentially it evolved over 10 years, you know, my nine years at Novell to the point mm-hmm. by the time I got to, uh, to Microsoft and had to support running the OpenStack CI in the environment that I was in, I essentially, the first thing I did was puppetize the automation of deploying the Pixie infrastructure. So that way, because back then the, inside the Microsoft labs, they were all hidden behind these proxies, caches and stuff, and they would get mm-hmm. stale. So if you were oh, yeah, mid installation yeah. and all of a sudden you're getting failures on, you know, packages because the signature, you know, you're getting signature mismatch and stuff like that. Right. So um, you would have to switch. So we would have to switch from like if we were doing it on CentOS, we'd go to Scientific or from Debian to Ubuntu. Like it, it, you got to the point it didn't matter. And we were all and mm-hmm. this was all just to support the work we were doing on Windows. Right. Yeah. So, so it was, uh, yeah. And, and once, once I had it automated, like we got to the point, like my failure, cause you know, we had 700 machines in that lab, uh, oh, wow. 200, 200, about 230 switches, uh, firewall infrastructure across two sites. Uh, yeah, it was 36 racks of gear, uh, for the OpenStack CI and, Basically, our folder, just, and this was just the the Windows OpenStack CI. Oh yeah, we ran the largest CI in all of OpenStack when I was there. Yeah, but but it wasn't like that, you know, because it wasn't there. Fit it up, uh, to put things in for Zool. No, no, this is yeah. Zool. This was Jenkins days. So I remember yeah. we stood it up because we had a deadline. They were gonna, you know, the the reason I got hired by Microsoft was because the original code for Hyper V got thrown out. Uh, by yeah, OpenStack, I remember that. Yeah, with a with a patch called the Hyper Vasectomy, right? <laughs> and uh, prior, prior to that, I had been the only, like, I had used it. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot of shady, dark history, and we could sit here for our days, I think, talking about uh, oh, yeah. the, the devil, you know, the devils of uh, OpenStack on Hyper-V in those days and the mysteries around, around that development. And it's funny because more mm-hmm. of it comes out through the years as I meet other folks, you know, when we talk and, uh, yeah. But, but the po- point, point being is uh, I had used it. We had automated the deployment of it. Uh, I had enabled Jordan Rinky is who you introduced me to because he was doing mm-hmm. gap analysis for Microsoft at that time while we were working in a Microsoft lab, for, but for Novell. 
Uh, and mm-hmm. I was talking to them, like, you know, telling their management, you know, and, and about it. And that's all the things was, that were wrong with yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Well, just what we were doing, like, because once yeah, I, talked, yeah, I yeah. realized, like, for us, we had been working on Hyper-V for four years at that point, I think. And uh, I saw, you know, 100 virtual machines deploy across 10 uh, Hyper-V nodes, two of, the, two of which had failed because of the OpenStack versions were different because, you know, they would track, <laughs> you know, the code base would change. So yeah, yeah. So quickly it wouldn't deploy and the CI wasn't what it was by the time our CI was running. So, uh, oh, and it was really like really hacky, like, uh, how to even get an install because the, you know, windows support for, uh, Python was, you know, 32 bit and essentially garbage. Uh, you were, you were using whatever was available anywhere. Uh, and, you know, I've put it this way. I've blocked it out and forgotten most of, most of that stuff back <laughs> Well. But it was I mean, I mean, force I mean, trauma, right? Like automation. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, until we could get it deployed. And then once I saw it deploy, you were like, holy shit. And this was back yeah. when it was, you were using Yuka tools, right? Against uh, uh-huh. OpenStack, because it was Bexer was the release. Uh, I, I, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, Bear. It, it, it's Bear. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. the, San, the county of uh, San Antonio's in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, you did all that work on, on open cost. Uh, ah, sorry, that's my day job. Uh, OpenStack, uh, OpenStack on on Windows. Did did you see a lot of it in the wild? Did did customers like well? So, so users actually is, use right? it? Like back then, my first customer back in so this was twenty. So I, I stumbled upon OpenStack in two thousand eleven. That's when we met. Yeah. You introduced me to Jordan. Uh, then uh, that was while I was at SUSE. And then I got hired by Microsoft in 2012. It was, uh, yeah. I think my first day was like March 3rd, uh, if I remember correctly. And then I immediately went to the OpenStack Summit, uh, which was in San Francisco. Like Cactus or uh, was it no, C that or would, D? That, that or... would have been uh, Diablo. No, yeah, uh, yeah it was Diablo uh, to try to um, get people to help me get the code back in. Because at that point in time, the code was out of the code base because it had been removed. Right. From Messick, uh yeah, from uh, it had gotten removed in Diablo, yeah, I believe. And yeah, so this, yeah. That, it was the it must have been the Essex summit uh, yeah. that I, that we're talking about here. So, because um, yeah, well, Cactus was in Boston, so that was my first one, and I basically went to everyone after that. So, okay, it, it would have been the it would have been the one after that. That was the one yeah. to get people to work on it. Oh yeah, because there was two. That's right. The time warp hits because it was two a year. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, twice, and that, the yeah. first one that year we went to uh, to get uh, people in, and then um, to, to try to get uh, you know uh, developers. Right. Right. That's when I got introduced to um, uh, the the CERN folks because uh, mm-hmm. CERN uh, prior to that was using a lot of Hyper V. Uh, they, they actually came, I, I, when I spoke at the Boston OpenStack summit, they were one of the, the people who attended my talk talking about, you know, what we were doing, what we were trying to do with mm-hmm. like, trying to get support. Um, cause, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I gotta be, I gotta be honest, having worked when I started on Hyper-V and I didn't run windows on Hyper-V for seven years, I only ran. <laughs> so you have to put things in perspective, right? Like when I started, it was only 32 bit. Uh, uni processor support and it got to the point where we could scientifically prove that we were the best hypervisor and open in all of OpenStack, right until yeah. by the time we got to you know the later versions of windows like uh and it was it was crazy like we could show complete parity you know like some of the other stuff we were able to we were able to get done well, on top of the cloud-based guys it's crazy 
interesting. Yeah. And, and the, the, the VMware support was never very good, was it? Well, the thing is, too, like what drew, in all honesty, what drew me to OpenStack, I remember I was Googling for uh, open source cloud computing framework and uh, or NIPS, no, NIPS compliant uh, cloud computing framework and open uh, OpenStack came up. Uh, yeah. And uh, that that's when I was like, oh. And and it said Windows support, right? And it said, you know, uh, you know, all these hypervisors. I'm like, oh, that's like that ubiquitous, right? Like that's what yeah. it should be. Back then, that was that should be the, you know, work with any technology. And I and I began right. that when uh, when I came in, and you know, I was in a unique position because of the level of expertise that we had in both Linux and Windows to be able to, you know, pull off. Pull up in networking, right? Because the networking stuff was great. Oh, was, you know what I mean? Like I, I sit here and I go, there's a period of time I probably could have sat for the CCIE and passed it without trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. just being able to keep the shit running and between all the levels <laughs> of garbage. Because when, you know, the beginning of the OpenStack CI, I must have had like 15 years of Cisco switches, you know, with the different oh levels gosh. of terminology yes. in the iOS you know, trunking as many interfaces between them to keep well, them all interconnected to keep the CI running, right? Like, yeah, and and that was the problem was it it was so it was developed so fast. It's like by the time you got you know your CI CD working for one release, the next one was out, right? And all the you know all the everything changed places, and so it was just like so for it us, was grueling as an operator. Well, for yeah. us, it, it took like uh, I remember we walked into Atlanta OpenStack Summit. We had processed more upstream CI jobs than anybody else. Uh, and I remember, um, oh my God, it's going to bother me now. I, I had his, I had his name a second ago. Um, he was from Piston. Uh, anyway, he, he come, come in basically. Like Monty came, or? No, no, it wasn't. It, no, Mon, Monty came from um, Rackspace. And then, I, see, I, I got introduced to Monty and, uh, Monty was going to help us stand up a leg of the CI back when I was in Novell and we got shut okay. down right as we were about to do it. Uh, yeah. And then that's when I, I basically, they, they closed down our part of the lab. I went back to uh, our, the headquarters that were in, uh, in like Waltham, Massachusetts. I was in Cambridge, Massachusetts at the time. Uh, and actually in uh, right, at, right in the nerd center, which is uh, what they call it. It's right. It's Microsoft offices right near the right next to MIT. Yeah. Right next to MIT Sloan. Yeah, and, um, we were our lab was in that, and they uh, they decided to you know once they decided to shut it shut it down, they pulled us back to uh, you know the Waltham offices that Novell had, and then let us uh, left us there till do you know we just sat there until we got laid off after after the end of the year, uh, mm-hmm. you know it was uh, pretty yeah it, it was it was funny because we had the it, well it's funny I look I look back now like the amount of energy we put in. Because uh, I had a friend, uh, Alex Landman, who was in with me in that lab, and he had he had done some of the stuff too, and uh, he's over at RSA uh, now. But I I think back and I'm like the amount of energy I put in to both try to you know get the CI in there and because um, there was like equipment with that was supposed to be coming in from Dell and like I you know and and there's some uh, crazy just crazy stuff that we achieved with Hyper-V like IBM's first hypervisor that they supported in a product with OpenStack was Hyper-V. <laughs> this was like back in the like two, like early days of OpenStack, you know. Yeah. And and, yeah. and but the thing is is it's like, you know, I look at it for me, you know, uh for OpenStack they needed to have Microsoft there. Uh I would have loved to see it take off cuz I I really, you know, 
uh, you were, well, I guess going back, you're asking about customers, right? So my first customer was CERN. Uh, so yeah. CERN was using uh, Hyper-V and OpenStack for years uh, mm -hmm. prior to, uh, you know, transitioning to full, full KVM, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in the last, uh, it's probably, I don't know, three years, four years, maybe. Yeah. I, I've been out of it, you know, I've been out of it. Uh, so I, I, I pulled the plug on, might uh, be, it might even be longer than that. And I know, I know yeah. talking to the cloud-based guys, like they'll, I don't know how much more, um, like, cause I, I know they had a couple active deployments, but they do a mm -hmm. lot of, you know, OpenStack on Linux still too. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, the majority yeah. of the deployments are that, you know, people, even I, you know, I tried to get one deployed at Rakuten when I was at Rakuten and they were this close and then changed their mind at the end. And it was, you know, they were, it, a lot of it was because of, uh, I think the licensing costs they were afraid of, of licensing the Hyper-V, uh, Hyper -V. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I worked with Rakuten, um, that, you know, they were a, a customer and they, they had a, a CTO who went through like a, a purging of the vendors where they were like, was it Tari? Like does it? Oh yeah. <laughs> that, I, yeah. Worked there, I worked uh, there under Tari during my time. So exactly, exactly. And, and there were like, there were like 12 vendors and then there were two and like, we made the cut and VMware made the cut and everyone else was like if there was an open source alternative to what you did they put effort into replacing you yeah racketing was weird man like there were great people there i had i you know i had uh i was it was funny because when i gave my notice uh to come to ampere uh yeah they uh the the my boss at the time he was like yeah i'm not surprised he's like you're a little you're a little too soon for us because you know coming out of OpenStack, uh where it was like you know, nonstop, crazy, trying to survive, uh, mm -hmm. going into that. They have a diff way different. It was funny. They were very similar to Microsoft, to my time at Microsoft in terms of the adversity, uh, mm -hmm. the ideas and the concepts of private cloud and, uh, you know, using open source, you know, using OpenStack, which, you know, at that time, man, let's be real, it was the de facto standard, right? It still is. Yeah. You want yeah. to build... A cloud infrastructure, you're going to use open. Well, and, and they're the sort of vendor it actually makes sense, right? I mean, they're you know, uh, you know they're a retailer, so they're not going to use AWS. Um, they had a little bit. Well, oh, they, they ended up using it anyway when they did their. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they weren't happy about it. Yeah, you know, it's, they, it's like them, when Target was and, on and when AWS. One, you know, I, I got them to deploy one uh, in uh, in in you know one of their infra, you know one of their data centers too that they use for some of the businesses. But Rackin's huge too, like. Oh, they, they had a lot of challenges, you know, that I, that I, uh, you know, I saw in my time there because they, you know, they grew through the years acquiring all these companies with mm -hmm. cultures and, uh, it, uh, and some very siloed and like yeah. I worked for one of the first departments that were, you know, trying to integrate from a technology perspective across, you know, the racket and industries, right? Like the technological services that were provided. And there was a lot of adversity because of those you know, silos and uh, mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, not, not to mention, so, so, you know, just the challenge of being a, you know, working for a Japanese company, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and my experience was going and visiting them in Tokyo and, oh, you went to Red House? Yeah, 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 Red House. And, and, uh, I mean, they're, I uh, but they're still English first. And like, you know, unlike a lot of other, uh, shops in, in Japan, like they were willing to take on a lot of new tech. Um, you know, they weren't waiting for the Japanese translation. Yeah, so. no, they, so they did, you know, like uh, my experience was, uh, you know, they did use a lot of open source, uh, mm -hmm. 
the the thing is is so i remember you know to go back a little bit i remember sitting in a fidelity office with you back in the early days of openstack talking about literally like deploying from source trying to keep up with with like rob hirschfeld and those guys talking about trying to you know stay as close to trunk in terms of reducing the distance you know between the the update right like mm -hmm. just so mm -hmm. you can you know be as close to the change as possible right and there's something to be you know i have to be honest in my uh, lifetime of operating infrastructure, it becomes more and more necessary, right? But yeah, yeah, and I both it's, know it, so, yeah, uh, you know, and back then that was the, I think, a lot of the early days of those concepts. And even, you know, when I got to, to Rakuten, that wasn't the, you know, at least in the, in the groups I worked with, you know, um, they weren't, they weren't thinking about it from that perspective. Right. No, it's and, uh, still very big bang waterfall. Yeah. That's it. And it's a lot, you know, it's a lot different, man. When you, you know, there's a, you have to be really committed to the automation to, for it really to work. Right. Like I know for me and it broke me, you know, it literally <laughs> there, it does, it breaks you, you know, like it, there comes a point where all of a sudden you're like, that's it. This is I can't keep up. I'm done. You have yeah. to fully, you have to fully commit. And once you fully commit, then that's when all of a sudden you start to see it starts off small but then all of a sudden you get you know you amass so many layers right like and you coming out of the you know the chef world with all the you know the the catalog of of different uh yeah. tidbits and recipes to choose from right like uh it, once you amass some of that and especially when it's really good uh you're like i it it gave me like in my time at microsoft a strategic advantage Right. Like, cause our failure domain, like we ran on garbage for years. Like you're talking, I had like the first CI, our Hyper-V nodes had like, you know, four gigs of Ram. We're like 15, 12 year old HP gray. They were like gray HP servers. Right. Like <laughs> they'd actually like faded the plastic and yeah, no, they weren't like, you know, like black or tan. Like they were like, just yeah. like drab, like this, the gray phase, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, like I remember a CI run was like four hours and we were able to, you know, through tuning and automation and stuff, trim it with the garbage, like trim it down where it was an hour. And I know when we built it, the whole strategy was because we had bodies. It was like the Rocky. If you ever saw um, Rocky Balboa, the movie, uh, mm -hmm. it's like the sixth, I think, Rocky movie where he's in a prize fight uh, in Vegas, spawning match against the, you know, champion and uh the training you know his trainer is like okay your knees are gone your back is gone this is gone he's like the only the only thing you can do is make sure that when you hit him he feels it and then they and then they start training right so that's yeah. like the mentality like i went into it so as long as we had like enough bodies and the automation gave us because our our turnaround time because i told you about the pixie infrastructure right like i got to a point where if I could rebuild the whole data center from scratch and under, it was probably under six hours. Uh, mm -hmm. Once I got the main, you know, like it would take me probably an hour to get the main stuff up. And, and then everything else was just, you know, uh, just, you know, installing OSs and waiting, right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a lot, there would still be, uh, you know, manual stuff to set the, you know, to do IPMI in the early days. Cause we were, a lot of it was all puppet. We were using pack stack for the, for the doing, um, we weren't doing full lifecycle deployments until we moved to Maz, uh, Maz and Juju. Um, yeah. but it was, uh, yeah, it was, you know, like just thinking about it, but like when stuff would fail, it was like, okay, next body, like we changed. Yeah. You know, essentially the, you know, the strategy at that time was, you know, if you ever used Puppet, 
It was very DNS bound. So I had a, you know, some YAML files uh, that were, you know, like 18,000 lines of YAML uh, that mapped every <laughs> single MAC address Indeed. to an IP address for yeah, every interface, yeah. oh, every machine and every rack. The thing is, it got to the point though, because it was so tight, you knew mm-hmm. as soon as an interface was plugged into the wrong, you know, the wrong port, and it allowed yeah. that, you know, like we were able to uh, give infrastructure to other teams uh, temporarily inside of Microsoft. Like we were able to do some early stuff with like Azure Stack uh, mm-hmm. on-prem uh, Microsoft appliance and deploying that back in the really, really early days of its Early days, yeah. Yeah, to just to showcase, because we, you know, with the OpenStack stuff, because we had, you know, we had full OpenStack deployment on Windows technologies going back to that, the Folsom, I think it was, yeah, when we got the call back in in Folsom, we walked in with a full open stack deployment with a completely on Windows, which at that time you couldn't, I couldn't tell yeah, inside of Microsoft because I probably would have gotten fired. We were, trying <laughs> to tell, we were telling people, like showing some people strategically outside to try to gauge interest. Right. At that point, like, you know, it was, uh, well, we wanted to, uh, you know, we believed in it. We thought like there was yeah. an opportunity for, you know, especially like the enterprise market and stuff. Like we're not, you know, my, I grew up with back office server, right? Like we kind of looked at it, like if you could achieve that level of success, but for private cloud with the Microsoft technologies in the same way, that would have been awesome. So, well, the, and, and that's, what's kind of strange is you, you went from like having this subversive technology in like, you know, the tier one vendor and and then you pivoted to like, you know the the up and coming you know, technology uh, and hardware vendor of Ampere, right? Vendor. So no, it's funny. Yeah, it's how, similar how did... uh, in terms. Oh of, yeah, yeah. Like uh, the I know when I started here, I kind of looked at it in terms of you know like the challenges and stuff were were similar, a little bit wider. You know, like coming into Ampere, you know in in uh with OpenStack on Hyper-V, you had to sell people first that Windows was capable, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then we would we would because you have to realize like we worked with CERN, like I we would have to go in and it was like every time we'd go to Redmond, it was like a dissertation defense as to why are you cap- why are you doing this and show mm. data, you know. So we would have all the you know uh the the different uh you know uh, rally tests and all that stuff to come and show you know where we stand and um, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. But, uh, and, and we, we would literally, we, we could probably do it. Uh, I don't know if, if the Hyper-V stuff still works, you could plug, uh, you could plug still probably still plug OpenStack into Hyper-V and it would still perform. Well, that, that yeah, that's what I was going to ask. It'll perform better is than it, Linux. Is, right. it, is it still up? Is it still there? Uh, so I, last time I talked to Alessandro, they said they were, they were getting ready to start depreciating it because they, uh, they just, there wasn't the, the uptake. Um, yeah, and it's sad too because we literally like I I look at put a lot of effort. Time. Yeah, work working with those guys. I got to work with the the people who uh, are the best in OpenStack in the industry. And mm-hmm. it's such a small, you know, little team. Most people don't know it. Like when Rakuten, you know, I, I and and you hear the stories, right? Like I I hear when so and so is having a deployment problem, and then you know because you. Dude, I, I got really well connected in OpenStack, got to know lots of people in the industry because I stuck out like a sore thumb being at, like, <laughs> right? Like, so, uh, you know, you, you hear you hear the stuff and you, you once you connect the dots and you get them in touch with those guys, it always gets resolved. So, uh, yeah, you know, the 
the level of skill that uh you know the cloud-based folks that i worked with had i you know they i i look now like they're my brothers in arms right like my war buddy yeah i'll never exactly. every time i see alessandro like it's a great it's like you know seeing my brother uh or tavi and even the rest of the team because it was like uh you know my surrogate uh my surrogate team right like because i was yeah. alone at microsoft on open for three and a half years before they gave me a help so yeah it was you know uh, and once they did, they, you know, a, lot, a bunch of them were there really quick. And then they went to work on the Azure stack CI. And mm-hmm. I think okay. some of them are still there doing it. Yeah. Um, so, well, so, so now, now you're over at Ampere. Oh. It's, it's a different game. You're, uh, you're out of OpenStack. Uh, it's still, it's still the open compute land, right? I mean, yeah, so I'm still, it's funny. Yeah, I, st- I still get to do, uh, get to play an open compute, got to play a little bit in open stack while I'm here. Obviously, uh, you know, I get to play a lot with the different cloud provider APIs because of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Ampere processors are, uh, are in from a, from a cloud provider perspective. So, um, you know, obviously you get to take all the stuff you learned from those days and, and apply it. And then, uh, you know, uh, I look at, you know, like automating, you know, when starting, starting automating, you evolve over time. Right. And, uh, you know, now we automate, I automate more, you know, it's not full data centers. <laughs> yeah. Now it's, now it's, you know, workloads on or complex workloads on, uh, you know, I'll do some complex workloads on different cloud providers to use, to, you know, help generate content for our, uh, you know, our developer programs and, uh, you know, obviously for, for shows and demos and all that sort of stuff. So, so I mean, as, as a, uh, you know, as a DevRel person for, for Ampere, who, who is your audience? Is it, is it like people inside the cloud providers or is it, you know, so, general developers that need to learn about ARM? So we got a, we got a bunch of different audiences, right? Like, okay. Uh, if you, if you really think about it, right. So like the first tier, like what I would say, our first tier developers are the, the people who are going to take our chips and build platforms around them. Right. So, mm-hmm. You know the ODMs, ODXs, the people who would who would build the reference, you know, the the OCP platforms, those those types of uh, those companies, right? Uh, the ones that are gonna, you know, uh, take that and you know, like if you look at, um, I think it's uh, the Mount Hamilton platform. I think that that uh, uh, recently came out. Um, you know, they have it has like six six different iterations of it and, and configurations to support you know multiple GPUs or different storage uh you know uh storage platforms and you know those types of companies are the ones that i think are our first tier right uh yeah and then, then you get the second tier which are okay the cloud providers that are uh you know building uh infrastructure and having instances uh you know in their clouds available based on you know ampere chips uh that would yeah. be I, I think the second tier right so helping to and, and- you know that awareness right about why uh, you know, you would want to switch uh, to an Ampere-based uh, platform. And in all cases, right, it, it really comes down to, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a lot of the same story uh, from uh, whether it's, you know, on bare metal or if you're going to build it in your own data center or or even in the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really comes down to, from an Ampere perspective, it's the, you know, price per, perform- price per performance per watt, uh, and essentially, you know, us delivering uh, the best in the industry for that, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, from a cloud perspective, um, you know, from a if if your workload performs uh, just as well as using an in- Intel chip, if not better, and uses half the electricity, 
and think of the cost yeah. you're you're going to save. The the cloud yeah. provider can can take those you know that energy savings and lower their prices. Oh, absolutely. They so, offer the, you so from and, an instance yeah. perspective, your you know your instance price is less, uh, and you you know it's like direct direct ROI from from that perspective. So yeah. you know for the the difficult part though is you know like going back uh, you know talking about OpenStack and Hyper V, it was the operation you know operating system that was the the challenge you know the leap of faith. And, and now we're talking about, you know, an architectural shift, right? Um, but the thing is, you know, like the, you know, as we were discussing, you know, I, I think prior, you know, talking about our, our um, unfortunate ARM device habits on our desks. <laughs> uh, the, uh, it, you know, there's a, the ARM ecosystem has been around a long time. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, work done by ARM to, uh, you know, build. We're riding on the backs, you know, the, in terms of the, the software, the open source software ecosystem, you know, I, I'd say it's uh, it just works it, at this point. Yeah, yeah. In, in most cases, it just works. You know, is it gonna yeah. be, is it going to be fully optimized? It might not be. It might be. Uh, in some cases, you know, you might have to go like I had to go uh, even on my Mac M1 and had to go using Terraform. I had to go compile a, a provider with. Uh, I had to do that. Yeah, Terraform. yeah. Uh, to to yeah. work with uh, to work with the M1, so you know it's not it's not there yet where it's fully seamless in some cases. But you know I see it not just for our platforms. Like I said, I see it on the on the M1. I've seen it. You know I've used Windows on ARM uh, uh, with um, both on you know my own devices back when I worked at Microsoft. I had a, um, a you know the first Surface RT uh, that was uh, you know ARM based and. Um, you know the, the the software for Linux, uh, you know, is definitely there. The Windows ecosystem, I think, you know, it's gonna it's, it's gonna lack, yeah, for sure. It's gonna take some time, and you know, Microsoft has some challenges. Um, you know, well, not not challenges, but from a you know perspective of uh, you know, I think it's a demand, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no you know until there's enough demand for for the stuff in the general you know wild, you know, there's uh, you know we may not. See- yeah, I mean, I, I, Apple can can push their ecosystem to do things the way Microsoft can't. Yeah. And, uh, and luckily, you know, and I'm, and I'm talking, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, Microsoft uses Ampere, Ampere products, but I'm talking from a like public perspective, right? Like if you take the, you know, there's no Windows server uh, for, for Armia. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you wanted, if you want to try it, like, cause I've done it at OCP, I had a, had a great demo uh, on one of the AD link platforms that had a, like, a desktop, form factor uh, running uh, Ampere, you know, 64 core, I think, uh, processor in it. Uh, one of our nice. uh, ultra, yeah, to, to scale it down, you know, scale down 64 cores to fit the, the power envelope of the, you know, of the form factor. Um, <laughs> it, scale it down to 64 cores. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, you have no idea. It's crazy, buddy. That's the fun part. When yeah. You get to do, uh, you know, coming from the our previous life, when you get to play yeah. computing that has that many cores, it's like, well, I, I know because I mean I you know we we talked about our our small device habit. It's like I have a a, a small K three S uh, Kubernetes cluster running on how many uh, nodes? Two, huh? It's, nodes? it's a four node. Um, it's it's two Raspberry Pi fours, uh, a Raspberry Pi three, and a Rock Pro sixty four. I don't even and want to then, tell you what mine is. <laughs> yeah, and then, so it's like. So I think that's a total of about uh, 11 cores, something like that, you know, or 13 cores or something. And then, you know, I've got, I also have an x86, you know, uh, cluster that's uh, four old 
Mac laptops. That's I, well, actually, one of them died and it got replaced with a uh, a Mac Mini. That's funny. So I, you know, it's all x86, and so that's my my home cluster. And you know, when I when I got married, I had to get rid of like <laughs> the in a good way. I had to get rid of the home lab, yeah. and you know, I, that's when the MIPS box disappeared and the 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 Beowulf cluster and all cleared out. But over the years, it's reaccumulated. Yeah, I got rid of my Sparks machine, my Spark machine a long time ago. Yeah, I had a Metro, I had a Spark. Metro X1. You know, one of the, yeah. you remember those, the little one you, I, oh, yeah. I used I to run OpenBSD on that all uh, back in the day. Um, yeah, that was fun. But uh, no. Yeah, but then when I, when I, my cluster, okay, so I have two, if you're familiar, I'm a big fan of the Pine Boards. So yeah, so I have yeah. Two. Well, I've, I've got the Rock Pro, right, okay. which is a 64, which is a Pine Board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I have two of the cluster boards. Oh, okay. And, You've got the cluster and, board. Uh, each with its seven SOPINES, right? So yeah. That's each a core. Uh, At least. I, that's 14. I like... So I got 14 cores. And then for my storage, uh, that's it. That's 64-bit. For my storage, I've got uh, eight um, Odroid HC2s running uh, <laughs> if, you, if you know what that is it's basically like a uh, yeah like a like a drive tray that uh-huh, full uh-huh. size uh drive and uh i have eight of those running um uh i did have uh same thing i had k3s running on that and then k3s running uh, uh across the top uh but uh and i would do uh i was doing open faz on the back end for a little while mm-hmm. um yep. then just playing on the front i was i was playing with so i, I ran gluster gluster fs across the uh the odroid so they, they each have of course. Four, 4 terabyte uh disk so yeah it's like uh yeah whatever eight, 8 terabytes i forget what the what i have it set up <laughs> but um but yeah no it's uh yeah so that that's that that was one of my uh my clusters that I yes. And then I have another one. It's all like, you know, it's just a hodgepodge of years of uh, Raspberry Pis uh, that were all stacked, you know, of the early ones, like the two and three. Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I, that, th- those are just my clusters. And then like sprinkled around the house, I've got no, 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 I, know, I some, haven't, I haven't got some zeros and some Ws. Huh? The, the other one I have is it's in an old, um, oh my God, what it's saying? Remember the Centronics cases? Uh-huh. Okay, so it's like the beige ones that you'd have the the hard drives that were like you know a cinder block. Um, mm-hmm. So it's in it's in one of those. I've got three uh, Raspberry Pi Model Three Bs with yep. a cluster. Okay. I, I don't know. They have yeah. a cluster Pi hat, or so I think that's the name of it, which has four Model Zeros plugged into uh-huh. that, and it acts oh, wow. uh, like a control plane for like IPMI to boot the um, to boot them, and it does networking through the network <laughs> interface because those don't have wire networking. So I have yeah, three yeah. of those stacked in the Centronics case, uh, and they all have you know they what so you, I don't even know what it how many cores uh, I I forget. Well, the 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 zeros and the ones plus, have yeah, one plus, core, and I think the other ones have two. So yeah. I don't know if those have two. Yeah, they might still have one. I, I can go check. <laughs> yeah, they might still have one. But yeah, it's like it's like fifteen. I think fifteen cores, and that. Um, so and that I was trying to do like the what, what is it? The is an MDP? I forget the distributed, uh, like supercomputing stuff, like distributed processing. Oh, MPI. MPI. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, I, I would I would play do some things like that on it. 
Yeah, never, never changed. No, the, the, no, the, pro- <laughs> the problem is though, like you said, like, dude, keeping all that stuff updated. Yeah, screw that. Like most of it's yeah. all in disheveled state right now. Um, with the exception, yeah. the exception of my Gluster, my Gluster cluster is still, uh, I think, still fully functional. And I, I have most of, I lost one node through a power, a power cycle on the top plane of the, of my, uh, my uh, two cluster boards, but yeah, that I just haven't looked at, but yeah. Yeah. I, I had to rebuild my home cluster. I, I lost, uh, I lost power to a, a, one of the Mac laptops it had no monitor and no video support <laughs> so everything was over like serial cable over usb oh, that's and that's nice uh, yeah like you know serial serial <laughs> is the best i do have yeah to, but to be honest no I, I yeah i've done a lot through the years of like lights out data center deployments and stuff like that mm-hmm. get used to using um you know using that stuff and once you start playing in the early days, I did a lot of expect, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So, uh, once you like serial cables, great. Like doesn't matter. Right. Like it's all, it's all the same at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, but, uh, it's, it's hidden away and up in a, a closet, to, to, you know, for the, the spousal acceptance, you know, it's, so I had three, I have three racks in my house. Okay. <laughs> so I had, I had one rack in my office. I had a half height Dell rack, like four post, you know, fully, fully oh, wow. under, uh, in, in there. Then I have two, uh, like two post telco racks in my basement, um, oh, down no. the bottom. And I essentially like, uh, about two years ago, I got the rack out of the, like I, I needed to, once I started working for Ampere, I needed my office back. So I had to, I had mm-hmm. to turn the lab off and I moved it. I moved it into the basement. So now all the racks are in the basement. Cause it was like, you know, I had crappy air conditioning. It would be like, you know, 120 degrees in there in the, in the summer, you'd be working, <laughs> like sweating to death. Like, you know, Oh, I no. but uh, but that's right? the beauty of all the the uh, the ampere gears like you know it well, doesn't was, it, it runs cool um well yeah but i didn't just have ampere gear buddy that's the <laughs> problem uh but yeah no so the you know i ended up uh well you know once i once i went to ampere they ended up giving me uh i have a one of our first uh like desktops it's a my tech um with an emag platform in it which is our the first chip that we uh mm-hmm. sold and um uh, I use that for as a you know like a, my desktop for a long period of time. But the the funny part is it it couldn't fit the case was so big it couldn't fit under my desk. And uh, you know it's it's still it's it's huge. Um, and I'm looking yeah. now like now that they have the 80 link platforms which are right they're pretty they're pretty hot. And it's a like regular me. desktop. Fact. Oh yeah. yeah, regular desktop form factor all decked out with the lights and all that stuff. You can get it with uh, like a an Ultra Max in it which is 128 cores. Yeah, uh, I believe. Um, yeah, so well, I'll uh, put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, no, so that's, it's, a, that's a fun board. Yeah, yeah. So for from that perspective, right? Like, I think, it, and, and I think because of the form factor, like you, they can only get like I think it's like seven hundred sixty-eight gigs of RAM in it or something. <laughs> only. Yeah, but but thinking about it from that perspective, like I'm I'm going, I'm like I might have to trade in my uh, I might have to go to Unic, you know, like no fault tolerant domain you know what i mean compute just to and get rid of all my uh my other stuff but uh well it's it's, it's just like that that dual seller on you know destroying my beowulf cluster yeah you know the, the time has come um 
Yeah, no, it's, well, it's amazing where it's all it's all gone and come back and and all that. You know, even even living you know through OpenStack and then Kubernetes and you know the the same things get recycled again or uh, hashed up again in different ways. You know, it's yeah, yeah. So what's uh, I mean, you know, you've got uh, you've got your 128 core desktop. Um, what's oh yeah? What's well, that's just one of the things? that's just one of the places you can find our our, our chips in it. You know, the rest are. Uh, <laughs> You know, if you go to our website, we have a great uh, solutions portal that you can go and see all the different uh, combinations and permutations of platforms from the different platform mm-hmm. vendors that work with us. Um, you know, one of the one of the big ones that's new that uh, it's pretty great to see is the HP RL three hundred, which okay. is uh, uh, essentially the first uh, Ampere, uh, you know, Ampere based uh, HP ProLiant server. I uh, got to spend a lot of time with the HP folks in the booth at Open Compute uh last november which was uh you know great team over there i've always been a you know from my early days in the data centers in the 90s uh back when you know they were compact servers uh mm-hmm. you know they they made a high quality uh product like i've i've seen them sustain like severe shipping damage and it was like you would just pull out and reseed everything and it would boot right back up you know um, nice but, uh, but, you know, so I have a lot of years working with, uh, you know, their evolution and, uh, you know, it's really exciting to see, to see that, especially, you know, considering, you know, and, you, and the, the crazy part is, you know, seeing it there, you know, HP platform at open compute with open firmware on it, you know, with an Ampere uh, chip in it, uh, you know, it's, it's super exciting, you know, especially from the, when I got here and we were just, you know this tiny little little chip company it's like we're mm-hmm. actually you know seeing it hit uh hit the industry uh you know at the enterprise level like that is exciting and then uh yeah you know, obviously you know uh last year we made it into you know the the major uh you know the, the major cloud providers as their uh as their arm instances uh you know with uh with azure and uh and gce and uh as well as oracle so um you know it's it's great That's to, have, uh, to to see you know to see this stuff actually uh, you know in the wild and and there now it's just yeah the, now the part the hard part begins right like you know as I said earlier like the difference here is there's that architectural shift right mm-hmm. like we have to remove that uh, you know that barrier that fear or that uh, you know that make that give that confidence to make the leap of faith. Uh, to transition architectures that they'll be able to they'll be able to do it. And luckily, you know, like right now, there's a lot of activity in the space. You know, with uh, you know what Amazon's done. Um, so uh, you know, we're definitely not alone. Uh, but yeah, but you know, so and as we were saying earlier, a lot of the you know Linux software you know just works. But it's you know to get even more confidence. Uh, you know, it's the, the that enterprise software, and you know that, that's going to take a little bit longer. But uh, you know, I think we're at the beginning of that. You know, that's that transition, right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I've definitely seen an uptick in, and I mean, you know, there there've been all these like anecdotal stories, and now it's just kind of a, a steady drumbeat of like nobody is. You don't get you don't get stories of like, well, we tried it and you know it didn't work. It's like. You know, we tried it and it worked for, you know, 90% of the stuff. And so we're super happy. And, you know, there's still that 10, 20% that's left, but people are saving serious money. Well, I know. And you, you and I have been talking about, like, even just talking about the, the little, you know, tinker devices that we use, right? Like, uh, we've been using that software for years now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's, 
you know, like when I think of like, I can go and take, like, like you said, you can go and take your Raspberry Pis, your Droids, your Pine Fords, build your Kubernetes cluster, right? Now you know how to run a Kubernetes cluster. Mm -hmm. You can go and take that. And if you want, you can do it on an Intel box or you could do it on a, you know, <laughs> some of the some 250 core, yeah. Right? Like, uh, you know, like yeah. 28 core, 80 core, you know, and use half the electricity, right? Like, uh, and, and, you know, I know for me, like when I first got to Ampere, one of the coolest things was like, I, I had gone to KubeCon and we had had one of our, our first platforms out there and people would come up and you'd explain to them that, okay, you've used the Raspberry Pi, like take your fun experience with that. You know, you understand it's like, you know, it's probably a different architecture, right? This is, uh, you know, that computing architecture, but for server. Right. Like, that's, uh, you know, and for me. So, I mean, is 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 the competition? I mean, when, when you think about the competition, is it is it, you know, actually Intel or is it just the resistance to update? I mean, or not Intel, but, you know, the x86. Do you think about it like, oh, those x86 people are, are the competition or it's just from my personal, inertia? Is you know, I'll talk about this from my personal perspective. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, from an IT industry perspective, uh, you know. IT uh, traditionally is about complacency. Right? <laughs> like, and, and, you, no, you're absolutely right. right? The, so, the biggest... so it literally, like, and, and I've worked at places where, you know, uh, they're running Debian 2. I've worked at, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, 20 years later, uh, you know, I've worked at places uh, that were on the cutting edge and I've worked at places yeah. that were in between, right? Like, um, so it, you know, there's levels of that, uh, you know, complacency, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, we all know the the old phrases, you know, that, that we used to hear, nobody got fired for buying Cisco or, uh, you know, th those phrases. Right, so right. There's a lot of, um, you know, that- Risk aversion, yeah. That, that, that well, it, it might not even be risk aversion, but, you know, in some, in bigger shops, you know, we know people don't want to lose their bonus, right? Like they're not going to make a, a decision that might potentially, well, yeah, I guess you're right, complete risk aversion at the at the highest end. The, the thing that I think is going to change that or has been changing that dramatically is, is, you know, just the last three, you know, what, four years, right? Like of the, of the industry you had, uh, you know, once lockdown happened across the planet with COVID, you know, the COVID outbreak, you essentially had this wave of uh, a need for more computing resources in the cloud, right? People were like, well, how are we going to instantly enable you know, all this remote work, all this stuff, right? So you had this massive uptick of, of cloud usage. And then there's that, and then there's the bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's my day job. It's like, oh yeah, now right. now you're worried about how much all this stuff costs. But it's on, yeah. to me, it's on both sides, right? It's on the operators. Absolutely. The folks who are running the cloud, right? Like it's been more beneficial for them to get a more, you know, uh, consistent, you know, platform, that's more energy efficient, that, uh, you know, produces a more consistent uh, computational, you know, uh, experience, right? Like, uh, you know, in the ways like that, you know, that's one of the beauties of like Ampere products being, you know, single thread per core is that when you're getting our, our platforms in, in a cloud provider, you're getting a core. You're not getting a hyper thread or two hyper thread. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's, it's a it's it's real compute behind it. So and you're not right. you know like there's not a, a noisy neighbors. And noisy neighbors. Yeah. Uh, you know you, you get a consistent you know and our, our chips have consistent frequencies. So you you get a consistent uh, you know level of of performance 
that you can expect out of our out of our chips, which is, um, you know, and for cloud providers, it's easier to sell when it's like you. This is what we know what you're going to get, right? Like so, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's that aspect of it, and then and then going back to the if it uses half the electricity, it's going to be a less expensive uh, compute, you know, instance. And if you can uh, reduce your operational costs, uh, there's a huge, uh, you know, benefit to that. Because from the world where I, that I grew up in, it's never cheaper to, you know, necessarily use cloud providers, right? Like it's always yourself. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. But it's not. Well, the and- thing is, it that comes at a, at a cost of you need the skill sets to do that, right? Well, and, 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 you know, folks like yourself and, and, you know, various other uh, evangelists are, are trying to, you know, grease the, grease the skids to help people make that transition. No, absolutely. Um, and that's a lot yeah. of what, like we recently uh, had a, had a launch of a, a developer site, uh, developer.amperecomputing.com that you can go to that uh, same thing. We started trying to build, uh, you know, an educational resource and community-based resources to, you know, help us, uh, you know, uh, get some of that, you know, mind share uh, in a central location, right? To help, uh, you know, customers, early adopters, you know, people who are fans, like, because, you know, let's be real, like we said, uh, you know, we're, we started out as as fans of this stuff. And naturally, when you hear there's a, you could, you mean I can have it in a server? <laughs> you know, like, it, there's that evolution. <laughs> well, when, of, when, uh, when can I get it? When, when can I get it at Newegg? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the real goal. No, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I'll have to, I, I'm not really sure. But uh, yeah, we're not, I don't, we're not there yet. Break into that maybe consumer someday. market, right? Yeah. Maybe someday. You can definitely, you can definitely get it at your uh, cloud provider. Uh, I'm a big, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the Oracle Oracle Cloud free tier because um, mm-hmm. you can go in and, and essentially for nothing, they'll they'll give you uh, four cores, uh, 24 gigs of RAM that you can carve up into one through four instances. So, yeah, it's it's a good amount of compute to be able to play around. I use it to do a lot of my like Terraform development on and then I'll take mm-hmm. that and, you know, use it in. Uh, use what I developed there on, you know, cloud providers to uh, save me a little, you know, cost of, uh, you know, being able to do that. And it's, um, you know, surprisingly being the the younger of the, you know, cloud providers, they've had, um, you know, they, it's, uh, you know, coming out of OpenStack, you know, I was, I was spoiled. I've never used, unfortunately, I've never used uh, uh, Amazon. Uh, I've, used, I've, used, <laughs> I've used a bunch of Azure, a bunch of GCE. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, much like uh, I stopped, I stopped, <laughs> I stopped using Amazon and VMware when I started working on OpenStack. So, uh, wow. was the, it, well, that was part of the blood, right? You and, know? Yeah. Oh, it's all changed, but, um, and I just never had, like in my career, I never had the need. Like we were never, I was never necessarily, necessarily, uh, there to do. Oh, sure. work. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm not running, I'm not running large workloads by any means. So, uh. I get that. Um, so, like looking out at at some of the other interesting things. I mean, I saw uh, you know we've got the the chip embargo to to China, and they've got their their was it the Lung Arch architecture? Oh, I don't know. Do you know anything about that? No, I don't. I'll okay, oh yeah, it's it's some homegrown um, architecture that uh, it's in the Linux kernel. It's it's mainline. I just. I was wondering how exotic you go. <laughs> uh, no, so it's funny. I've done some MIP stuff. Uh, you know, yeah. On, uh, like I've compiled little Go apps uh, for my uh, mm-hmm. my uh, unified devices because I've got a bunch of okay. ERX 
and you can do their you know nice little Linux system uh, that you can do some fun stuff with. Uh, so I, I I've done some MIP, and they're MIPS based. So I've done some MIPS on that. Yeah, yeah. They, they there was a a bunch of switches uh, used to be MIPS, right? So I like Cumulus had MIPS support. Yep. And uh, so so yeah, no, that's yeah. that's about it for uh, man. My chip fetishes are are pretty much you know I I think I might have. <laughs> every generation of raspberry pi and probably multiples yeah. of them like way too many uh you know i definitely have the uh way too many of the uh pine i love the pine devices i have you know the first yep. generation uh laptop that they did um which they're all you know they're all it's all fun uh, but and and your daily drivers uh an m1 mac laptop or m2? Well, it's funny like i so <laughs> So I have a, you know, like, so my, I have like a weird, I guess, setup. So my daily, like my work application uh, stuff is on my work laptop. My development box is actually, it's a Pine 64, the Pine 8, the A, is it A1? The laptop? No, no, no. It's just the board, like the. Oh, okay. I have, so I have you like just, one of the you just run straight off the board. Yeah, that's, that's powered into like a PoE uh thing but that's where i do all my like ansible and terraform and all that stuff. that doesn't take much yeah uh and then um and then uh so that yeah that because i can just keep stuff running if i get disconnected you know what i mean like it, yeah oh so it's just always there and i can go and uh go and look at it um although i have like uh done some uh some of the development on my mac i had done some development stuff on my windows you know with windows subsystem linux i always kind of you know, I, I've been moved as I get older, I try to move towards platforms that I'll mess around with less. You know what I mean? Yeah. You end up like, yeah, having worked on operating systems so much, I'm a little bit of an operating system geek. So like, be like, oh, let me try that. And then you, you know, wipe everything out yeah. and you get comfortable with it. And you're like, oh, let me try that. And then, you know, so uh, nowadays I, I tend to stay uh, pretty, pretty stable uh, from that perspective. And I, and I, and I'm definitely, uh, you know, a separatist from the standpoint of, uh, you know, don't shit where I eat. So <laughs> I have my work laptop, you know, my non-work laptop and the next okay. shall, you know, shall meet. So, uh, you know, cause I did, uh, well, I have a, a bit of a security background too. So I don't want to, <laughs> that, that I, every now and then, you know, you, you if I want to go research some stuff, I, I don't want to necessarily scare people in the office. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, from some of the yeah. security stuff you have, uh, you know, it can get, it can get fun at times. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that, uh, you know, so from that perspective, I like my daily driver is a multi, it's usually a three node setup. Uh, right now uh, I'm not uh, in my normal office. I had a bunch of life changes last year. And, and uh, so I moved out of my current office and am in on the, my, like my, or my old office, uh into my first floor office but my previous office i still have it set up upstairs that's where my ampere desktop is set up uh and i have a desk with like nine u built into the desk because when i got rid of the rack i needed a place to rack mount things so it's literally like i have like uh like my mac minis rack mounted into it i have like my switches <laughs> and stuff so I have a little well, nice lab. I've I've actually a nice uh, uh, one U plate that holds four Raspberry Pis, um, but they're oh, not, wow. they're not powered on right now. Uh, yeah, but well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, you get to expense all this stuff, right? No, 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 dude. This was all uh, <laughs> unfortunately no. This was all um, maybe it's yeah, maybe it's why I'm single now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
another thing too, like, you know, this stuff, I know, I know for me, like, uh, those devices, as I said before, gives you the opportunity, especially coming out of scale based computing, right? Mm -hmm. Where you need nodes, you know, yeah, uh, it gives you the ability to at least achieve some level of that uh, at a low right, cost, right. not burning your bank, you know. Um, and I think now, yeah. especially when you look at like the whole Kubernetes movement, it just strengthens that, you know, that learning cycle even more. Because, yeah. You know, Kubernetes is less infrastructure intensive than OpenStack was, right, uh, from that perspective. So you can get the level of complexity you need, right, to be able to do the high value you know, stuff Absolutely. while being yeah. able to to do it and not need, you know, servers that have the latest virtualization chipset. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah. And that's, a, that's the part too, like seeing that transition. I'm a, still a virtualization geek. Like I, when I hear people now like saying, you know, certain things about it, I'm like, no, virtualization is never going to really go away. It's changed, you know, like it's gotten lighter weight, you know, with all the, yeah. You know things like Kata and um, Gvisor and, and those sort of uh, sort of uh, technologies. Firecracker. Firecracker. Yeah. Um, but it's just another. You know, it's just a, a lighter virtual machine, special purpose. You know, from my perspective. Yep. So, so. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking the time to you know shoot the breeze with me. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, it's man. always been pleasure. Yeah, as always. It's always good to catch up with you. Yeah, pleasure. As if. Always. Uh, if anyone wants to, to follow along uh, with uh, your exploits as an Ampere uh, DevRel guy, uh, where where can they find you? So yeah, most of the time, uh, I have to admit, I'm not much of a Twitter guy, but I do post uh, occasionally on uh, you know LinkedIn channels. Obviously, if you go check out uh, you know developer.amperecomputing.com, I have a bunch of articles that are uh, up there and uh, content content that that goes up there. Um, but uh, yeah. That's where you can uh, find me right now. And uh, <clears throat> definitely check me out on LinkedIn. My email address is there. People can reach out yeah. um, if they have questions. Are you going to be at uh, KubeCon EU? Any conferences coming up? Or uh, So the one I know I'm going to so far is uh, CloudFest, uh, which is in uh, Rust, uh, Germany, uh, at the end of March. Not really cool. sure what's, uh, what's going to be after that. Um, maybe OCP. I'm hoping uh, yeah. both of them this year. Uh, have to admit, I, I really enjoy the uh, you know I learn a lot at the OCP uh, you know conferences. It's it's you know most people don't realize that level of computing. You know, yeah. Like when you yeah. when you I, I went to a few of those. They're they're fun events, even though it, like it wasn't it wasn't my world. I was still it was fun to be a tourist. It's it's funny. Yeah. Most of the stuff that I get to do, which is fun, is I get to go like uh, the last few years. I've gotten to uh, basically have a, a, a setup in the experience center. So mm-hmm. usually, so live systems, uh, all running open source firmware, which to me is is pretty cool. Uh, because, you know, it's been, uh, you know, a, a long, you know, kind of a long path for it to get to the state it's in now where we can have a, I can have a platform there running, you know, multiple layers of firmware, BMC controller, all that stuff, all open source. So it's, it's really yeah. cool to see that and especially, you know, see it on our, on our platform. So I've got to, got to do that and really start to appreciate it uh, as I learn more, you know, about the hardware industry uh, coming on, into it as a software guy. But um, yeah, yeah. Cool. cool beans. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, thanks. And uh, talk to you again soon. Talk to you soon. Bye now. 
I, you know, if, if you haven't listened to uh, our podcast before, like it's not going to be formal.